Well, good morning, everyone. If you could find your seats. I love all the chatter this morning. It's looked like lots of opportunities have been made. Um, my name is Donna Pichet, and I'm delighted to be able to come and talk with you today and to dig into another one of the I am statements that Jesus makes. We want to welcome those who are here online and also those of you who are with us today. And so today we're going to look at another powerful statement um, and how powerful it is when Jesus declares, I am the good shepherd. I'm sharing from the English Standard Version and we're going to read in um, John chapter 10, starting in verse 11. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they have life and life abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is the hired hand and not the shepherd does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he's a hired hand and he cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd, and I know my own, and my own know me, just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father. I lay down my life for the sheep, and I have other sheep that are not of this fold, and I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice, and we, there will be one flock and one shepherd. Let's pray over his word this morning. Father in heaven, we praise you and we thank you for those that have gathered today and we invite your Holy Spirit to come and to teach us, open the eyes of our understandings and speak to our hearts and minds and teach us through your word today, we pray in Jesus' name, amen. So we're learning a lot about the power that is invoked and the benefits that are bestowed when Jesus proclaims that he is the great I am, which we learned in Hebrew is the name for God. As Pastor Sean shared at the beginning of this series, whenever Jesus uses the term, I am, it wasn't just a simple statement like I am Donna Pichet, but it was a powerful declaration that, he, that would stun those around him. He was using the same Hebrew word that God used when he introduced himself to Moses when he said, I am that I am. And that Hebrew word is Yahweh. And it was more than just a verb to meaning to exist or to be active. But the name Yahweh came with a powerful, present, active being. It was whenever God's presence in, is invoked, that announcement carries with it intentions and actions to show his power, his grace, his mercy, and his love. So when Jesus declared, I am the good shepherd, he was in fact declaring that he was God and he was going to replace the bad shepherds or the Israel leaders that had led the people astray. And he was going to put into act the very character of God. We see back in John 8, where they're arguing with him, and they're accusing him of being de demon-possessed. And he says, truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. Pastor Sean shared with us how Jesus declared that he was, he said, I am the bread of life, and he fed thousands. 
And Pastor Tyson shared how he said, I am the light of the world. And he opened the eyes of the blind. And he also shared that Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. And he raised Lazarus from the dead. Jesus creates miracle after miracle when he proclaims that he is the great I am. And so great is the name of God when Jesus declares it. A great sonic wave of power is relieved. released. We're often unaware how powerful the name of God is when it's spoken until we see it in action. And we see this come into being further ahead in John when Jesus is at the Mount of Olives, and after declaring all of the I am's, he's riled up a lot of people. Jesus spent the night praying, and it's said that the Roman soldiers and temple guards have tracked him down. And we know that this was no small army. It's believed that there were three to 600 soldiers that had gathered to apprehend him that night. In John 18, four to six, it says, then Jesus, knowing what was about to befall him, went out to them and said, Whom are you seeking? Who do you want? And they answered him, Jesus the Nazarene. And Jesus said to them, I am he. And Judas was standing with him. And when Jesus said to them, I am he, they all went and fell to the ground. When he spoke, I am, a supernatural power so strong, three to six hundred soldiers were tossed backwards to the ground. Rick Renner states in his book, the members of this Mishla that came to arrest Jesus were knocked flat by some sort of force. In fact, the verse says that they were knocked backwards and they fell to the ground. Some force so unexpectedly, suddenly and forcefully knocked these troops and temple guards flat. So I must tell you, each time he declares a statement, something powerful happens. Thousands get fed, the blind see, the lame walk, people are raised from the dead, and people get set free. And that's because there's power in the name of God. Amen. But let's first look at why he calls himself a shepherd and us his sheep. Because acknowledging that statement invokes power into our daily lives. We know there's a lot of scriptures that refer to us as sheep and him as a shepherd. Pastor Sean mentioned there's over 500 scriptures in the Bible about sheep. Sheep and shepherds are word pictures that are used throughout the Old and New Testament. And if you read the Bible long enough, you're guaranteed to see how clueless sheep are and how desperately we are in need of a shepherd, and not just any shepherd, but a good shepherd. It's interesting to note that the word pastor comes from the Hebrew word shepherd. That's why we call them pastors. And we have, God has called our pastors to be like shepherds over us, and we have some amazing pastors here, and they do a fabulous job, do they not? Yeah. But I have a funny story to tell you about a pastor who was teaching his little children in Sunday school and he wanted to teach them about the 23rd Psalm and he was telling them about the sheep and how they're not the brightest and they're in need of a good shepherd to guide them. And he asked the children, who are the sheep? And a little boy at the back raised his hand and he said, 
we are the sheep. And the pastor said, that's correct. And then the pastor asked, then who is the shepherd? And he intended to say that the pastor was the shepherd. But the little boy piped up and he said, Jesus is the shepherd. And this caught the pastor off guard. So he said to the little boy, well, then who am I? The little boy thought for a minute, puzzled, and he said, I guess you're his sheepdog. <laughs> I must say we have a bunch of sheepdogs. No, they are indeed our shepherds. Psalms 23 is probably the most recognizable scripture about shepherds and sheep. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Psalms 100 verse 3. Acknowledge that the Lord is God. He made us and we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Mark 6:34. Jesus saw the huge crowd as he stepped from the boat and he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he began to teach them many things. Now, Pastor Sean already talked about how dumb sheep are. He told us that fabulous story about how that one sheep in Turkey led hundreds of sheep, some of them to fall to their death off a cliff in Turkey. You might call it a lamb slide. <laughs> but we need to expand on that to see how desperate we are for God and how we need a good shepherd. And there's a famous story about a sheep named Shrek. It's a true story. In 2004, there's a picture of him. I know some of you are thinking, that's me before I flat ironed my hair. <laughs> it's not. It's Shrek, the Murano sheep from New Zealand. And he missed shearing one day. Instead of going with the flock, he went in the other direction. But he didn't just miss it for one day. He found himself a cave, and he missed shearing for six whole years. And when the shepherd finally came upon him, he didn't even recognize him as a sheep. He looked like a giant dirty pom-pom. His wool had covered his face and he was blind. He could barely walk under the weight of the wool. And when he went to shearing that day, he must have been so hot and uncomfortable. They finally took off his wool and it said that they, it weighed 27 kilos or 60 pounds and was enough to make 20 wool suits. It's funny how God didn't refer to us as cows or dogs or cats. We all know cats are difficult to herd. Sheep are one of the most defenseless animals on the planet. They have no sharp teeth. They don't have sharp claws. They don't kick very well. They can't run very fast. They can headbutt you now and then. And unlike dogs and cats, sheep see in color. Yeah, and guess what? They're afraid of color sometimes. Like, oh, you wore orange today. <laughs> you scare me. So yeah, it freaks them out, and it causes them to run off. I admit there are times in my life when the burdens of life bear down, and I miss staying close to the shepherd, and I miss shearing day and the wool piles up on me like burdens, covers my eyes like I've had the wool pulled down over my eyes, and I have to come to a place that in times of difficulty and trials, I have to draw near to the shepherd and not away. So sheep are super needy. 
and they're fragile, and they don't react well to change. Quite a few years ago, as John Kaplan would say when the dinosaurs roamed, I led Kids Church, Kids Club, we called it. I did that for about 10 years. And once I decided I wanted to teach the little three to six-year-olds uh, how we are like God's sheep, and I had Joyce Snetzler come and teach him that little song, I just want to be a sheep, ba 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 ba. I just want to be a sheep, ba 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 ba. And I pray the Lord, my soul to keep. I just want to be a sheep. <laughs> Never said I was a singer. <laughs> anyway, and I had someone in the church who knew a family in Machosen that just had some spring lambs. So cute. And I asked them if they would bring them in. And this family, who obviously didn't know much about sheep either, brought in about four or five baby lamps. Yeah, and we all sat around in a big circle and we sang our little Baba song and it was so cute. But then the sheep started, the little lambs started crying and then they started bleeding really loudly and then they started vomiting. <laughs> and not just any kind of vomit, they started projectile vomiting. Yeah, all over the kids. And then it started coming out the other end. Mm -hmm. And then in a room with about 80 little kids and leaders, the smell of the vomit and the poop was too much to bear. Um, kids started retching, oh yeah. And then my leader started retching. I started retching. The whole place went into utter chaos. And after we exited the upstairs and we regrouped, a little boy came up to me with giant tears welled up in his eyes, he said, Mrs. Pichet, I don't want to be a sheep. <laughs> and I looked at him and I said, buddy, I'm not so sure I want to be one either. Poor Pastor Al, he got one of those phone calls you never want to get. Because back then, before that was all offices back there, it was one giant room and it was carpeted. I kept that man on his toes. So sheep, they're in desperate need of someone to take care of them. But not just any shepherd, they need a good shepherd. And when Jesus uses this term, he speaks of himself as a good shepherd. So let's set the scene where he makes this incredible statement. Jesus, in John chapter 10, is at the Feast of Dedication in Jerusalem. The Feast of Dedication we know as Hanukkah. And at that time, until this day, they do readings from the Old Testament, from the Torah. And they often do readings about sheep and shepherds as a reminder of the wicked Israelite leaders who permitted false gods and idols and foreign kings who led God's people astray. So they often read Ezekiel 34. And this is what Ezekiel 34 says. The word of the Lord came to me, son of man, Prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Prophesy and say to them, Shepherds, thus says the Lord, O oh, shepherds of Israel, who've been feeding yourselves, should not sheep feed, shepherds feed the sheep? You eat the fat, you clothe yourselves with the wool, you slaughter the fat ones, but you do not feed the sheep. The weak you have not strengthened, the sick you have not healed, the injured you have not bound up. The strayed you have not brought back, the lost you have not sought, and with force and harshness you have ruled them. 
So they were scattered because there was no shepherd and they became food for the wild beasts. My sheep were scattered. It's during the Feast of Dedication when he makes the announcement, I am the good shepherd. And he says in John 10, 11, and the good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. And he continues to say this statement five times in this chapter. Jesus was essentially the ruler that they had been waiting for. But when he was proclaiming to take the role that the prophet had declared only belonged to God, he riled up a lot of people. Jesus claims to be the one true God of Israel, the one who will bring back the scattered and the lost. So it's no wonder they came to arrest him that night with all the claims that he was making. Now Psalms 23 is probably the most well-known passage in the Bible about Jesus being our good shepherd. And even if you weren't a Christian, you probably heard it at some point in your life, at a memorial or whatever. We don't have time this morning to go through every single point, but I want to point out, pull out a couple of key points of why Jesus declares that he is our shepherd and why Jesus makes such a good one. David is the author of Psalms 23, and we all know that David was a shepherd, and he probably wrote this later on in life when he was a little older and wiser. So you can read with me. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his namesake. And even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemy. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. So number one, the Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. We can truly say we belong to the Lord for the number one reason, that he laid down his very life for you and me. He is a sacrificial shepherd. The hireling who is paid to look after the sheep will run if trouble comes. But the good shepherd lays down his life for the flock. And Jesus gave his very life for you and me. It's the greatest sacrifice ever made. And before we can have a life besides still waters and green pastures, we have to accept him as our shepherd. Because not only will we have all we need, but I love this insight that Judith shared with me this week. She said, it also apply, implies that he will keep us from anything designed by the enemy to make us fail. He protects us from the plans of the enemy and whatever the enemy went, meant for harm, Jesus turns for good. I love that. So if we have him as our shepherd, the journey, so if we don't have him as our shepherd, the journey's gonna be tough, treacherous, scary. It may even lead you to follow someone and jump off a cliff if we're not careful. If we declare the Lord is my shepherd, we ought to know something about his character, right? Understand something about his ability 
to care for us. And this comes from knowing his word and letting it set up home in our hearts. If you don't read the Bible, how are you going to know the author? Jesus said, my sheep know my voice. This is his voice. If you never read this book, you won't be able to discern his voice or understand the depths he will go to, to rescue you, to provide for you. You will never get to know his character of how much he's loved you and sacrificed his life for you. The great I am sets you free as you dwell with him. A sheep who has a good shepherd will be content and thrive under his care. They won't search for anything else since he gives them everything they need. He heals them, he restores them, and he teaches them in their, his righteous ways. Number two, he makes me lie down in green pastures. Now, I don't know about you, but when I think of sheep in green pastures, I see white fluffy sheep dotting lush rolling green hills, like my chosen. But in reality, when this was spoken, this was Israel. And I have been there, and many of you have been there, and it's dry, and it's parched, and it's desert-like, and there's only little tufts of grass here and there. So the people who were hearing this in that day and age, that was quite a picture for them to be laying down in green pastures. On top of that, Philip Keller in his book, A Shepherd's Look at Psalm 23, brilliant book, he states, certain conditions must be met before sheep will lay down because they're finicky and they won't lay down if it's not perfect. They have to be free from fear. If they're afraid, sheep will not lie down. And the shepherd must be vigilant against predators at night. But our Jesus never sleeps nor slumbers. So you can go to sleep and you don't have to count sheep. He watches over you. The sheep have to be free from friction and social tensions. And the shepherd's presence puts an end to all rivalry. And I love this picture because when you're in a healthy church like this one, I'm so thankful for, our good, for the shepherd and our good shepherds because they create a healthy environment. They have to be free from flies and parasites. If they're tormented by bugs, they will not lay down by pests. They will continually stand up, they'll stamp their feet, they'll shake their heads, and they will not come into a place of rest. It takes a tremendous amount of work by the shepherd to care for them. And this is where he comes in and he anoints their head with oil. And that's what they did to keep the pests away. So they anointed the sheep's head with oil to calm down the pests. But it's a picture for us as Jesus comes and we allow him to anoint our head with oil so that the enemy doesn't attack us and speak to us. And they have to be free from hunger. And this is significant in laying down in green pastures since there's plenty to eat for the sheep. Are you in the fold? Or have you distanced yourself? Because you will be an easy target for the enemy if you aren't. The great I am will allow you to come in and rest in peace in his presence. Number three, he leads me beside still waters. Now get this, do you know that sheep will not drink from rushing waters? 
oh, we're so needy. In a semi-arid land, Philip Keller writes that in order to create still waters, he went and saw a walk-in well where the floor had been dug out to create a pool, a gentle pool for the sheep to drink. And he saw the shepherd standing at the end by the river, laboriously bailing up water into the pool, sweating in the terrible heat. Being a good shepherd is demanding. It's taxing. The great I am, our shepherd, prepares a place for us to be able to come in and drink in his presence and know him by his Holy Spirit. Number four, he refreshes my soul. Water is symbolic of the Holy Spirit and it represents the cleansing which takes place when a person puts their trust in God. Are you trusting him to refresh your spirit, to lie down, be still, know that he is God? Or do you feel anxious and troubled, perhaps rejected? We all in some ways at some point in our lives have felt completely broken. And I shared this in a previous talk I did, but it's worth repeating. It's about being a bummer lamb. Every once in a while, for no reason, a ewe will give birth to a lamb and she rejects it. And she may even kick it away. And once she rejects the lamb, she never changes her mind. Because guess what? Sheep are stubborn. And the little lamb walks away and he's so rejected and crushed and broken that he hangs his head in such a way that it actually looks like there's something wrong with him. And they're called bummer lambs. And unless the shepherd intervenes, the little lamb will die. So you know what the shepherd does? He picks the little lamb up and he takes the little lamb home and he puts, hand feeds it and he puts it close to the fire. He wraps the little lamb up in a blanket and he holds it close to his chest so that the little lamb can hear his heartbeat. And when the lamb is strong enough, the shepherd places it back into the flock. But that sheep, that little lamb, never forgets how the shepherd cared for it when its mother rejected him. And when the shepherd calls for the flock, guess who comes running first? It's a little bummer lamb because he knows his voice intimately. And it's not that the bummer lamb was loved any more than the other lambs, but it's just that he knows his shepherd so intimately and personally. Tremendous relationship. The great I am, our shepherd, not only cares for our every need, but he wants to hold us so close when we are broken so we can hear his heartbeat so we can know how deeply loved we are by him. Number five, he's with us in the darkest valleys. Now here the language changes, because up until this point, shepherds have been leading and guiding us. But in this phrase, it changes to the shepherd coming beside us and abiding so ever close and present with us. What valleys are you going through? You get the news of a horrible diagnosis or financial predicament, loss of a job, loss of a loved one. We attended Kim Horry's memorial in Nanaimo yesterday. 
It's a dark valley. It's a hard valley for, those, for all who loved her to walk through. Perhaps you're having marital trouble or wayward kids. These valleys can be foreboding and dark and terrifying. But with Jesus ever present, you can experience that peace that passes all understanding by trusting in him. Once again, it's important to be able to know his word and stand on his promises, to hear his voice in times of trouble. This Bible here is quite special to our family, kind of a testament, but especially to my husband. My husband, Will, used to work offshore on various oil rigs, and to get to and from the rigs, it was usually by helicopter, which always held an element of danger, especially off the east coast of Canada and the Atlantic. And on March 20th in 1985, when he was a very young man, he and 16 other passengers were traveling from the rig to the Halifax airport, when everyone started to notice transmission fluid leaking down over the windows. Never a good sign. After one of the passengers got up and alerted the pilot, the pilot quickly made an announcement. Gentlemen, prepare for ditching. You never want to have to ditch a helicopter in the ocean, even though they're designed to float. With high winds and rough seas, it makes a disaster waiting to happen, which we have seen in past incidences. Fortunately, on that day, the seas were somewhat calm, if you could say that about the Atlantic. And after what seemed like forever, they waited for the rotors to stop so they could launch the life rafts and escape. But now sitting in a life raft, taking on water, because it was leaking, in first-generation survival suits that were taking on water and leaking, some of the men began to suffer hypothermia. And they began to bail water out of the raft with whatever they could find, even use their boots. Fortunately, by the grace of God, the Canadian military was doing sub-hunting exercises in the area at that time, and they sent a helicopter to the rescue. And one by one, they lowered the collar and took the men to safety. Some were suffering more than others. And it wasn't hard to figure out who was to be rescued next. Will had just done a helicopter survival school, which he often dreaded, because they put you in a mock helicopter, they strap you in, they sink it in water, they flip it upside down. It's your job to unstrap yourself, kick out the windows, and find your way to the surface. Not pleasant. But they also teach you to dress really warm on crew changes. And he was dressed warm that day, so he fared better than most. But then Will found himself alone in the raft, the last one, as he sloshed around through the rising water to make sure that there was no one left behind, he had an incredible sense of peace. Even though in many senses he was in the valley of the shadow of death, he knew he wasn't alone. He knew who was really looking after him, who was really going to rescue him, because he knew the shepherd intimately. And one of his famous promises came to mind as he sat in that cold water. And it's one of the verses that he has underlined in this Bible. It's Psalms 139, 3 to 10. It says, you see me when I travel and when I rest at home. You know everything I do. 
You know what I'm going to say even before I say it, Lord. You go before me and you follow me. You place your hand of blessing on me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too great to understand. I can never escape from your spirit. I can never get away from your presence. If I go to the heavens, you are there. If I go down to the grave, you are there. If I ride on the wings of the morning, if I dwell in the farthest ocean, even there your hand will guide me and your strength will support me. Will called me once he was safe on shore because that was pre-cell phone days and social media, so I didn't have a clue. And he said he was going to be late coming home. And I said, well, why are you going to be late? A little bit frustrated because I had spent a month alone with a baby. And he said, well, I don't have my luggage. And I said, well, where's your luggage? And he said, well, it's on the helicopter. I said, well, where's the helicopter? He said, well, it's ditched in the ocean. <laughs> Later, I remember distinctly, I was at Jim and Denise Hussey's house. And we were watching them being rescued on the news and our little son was pointing out his daddy on TV. But my husband always traveled with a Bible. And this Bible used to be one of those really skinny, compact travel Bibles. But it was in his bag that day. And the helicopter was towed back to shore, but not before flipping on its side and taking on water. And everything got saturated in salt water. And there wasn't much to salvage, but he rescued this. Do you know the shepherd's voice? Can you hear it when you're in trouble? We all know that there are a lot of voices competing for our attention today. Which one are you listening to? Can you declare the Lord is my shepherd? Can you trust him? Do you believe he will lead you through the darkest valleys? I can assure you that Jesus wants to be your good shepherd. The last point I want to make is it says, surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And you know that word follow just doesn't do it justice in the English language. Because in Hebrew, that word is radoff. And it means to pursue, to chase, to aim, to secure. The great I am wants to make goodness and mercy pursue you, chase after you, and aim to secure you. The great I am wants to be your shepherd. He's chosen you and he wants to care for you. Are you weary? He wants to give you rest. Are you sick? He wants to heal you. Do you feel under attack? He wants to protect you. Are you broken? He wants to hold you ever so close to his heart so you can hear his heartbeat and be restored. Our verse says that the enemy, the thief, wants to rob and kill and destroy. But Jesus has come to give life and life more abundantly. Which side of the fence are you on? Are you within the protection of the fold? Maybe there are some here today or who are listening online and you have never asked the Lord to be your shepherd. And I want to pray with you today. So with all eyes closed right now, if we could just bow our heads with eyes closed. 
And if you want to accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, I just ask that you raise your hand. Just raise your hand and I will pray with you today. Thank you. Thank you for your hand. Thank you. Just pray with me. Lord, I realize I don't want to go it alone any longer. And I need you as my Lord and Savior, as my shepherd. I thank you for sacrificing your life for me. And I ask that you forgive me for my sins and help me to follow you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name. And if you raised your hand today, I know that one of our pastors, one of our shepherds would love to connect with you. And if you like, you can text the word new life to 250-478-7113 and they'd be happy to help you along. Now maybe there are some in the fold today who say, I know my shepherd, but I haven't come into that abundant life for whatever reason. Maybe you're sick. Maybe you're weary or heavy burdened. Maybe strongholds have taken hold or addictions have robbed you. Maybe you feel under attack from the enemy. Or maybe there are some here today who've even been landsliding. What are you facing? What's your Goliath? Because I can tell you, we all have something that we want the shepherd to take control of. We all have problems in our life and things that we want him to help us with. So why don't the rest of us stand together and we'll pray. Because I can assure you, there's no force, be it physical, spiritual, there's no sickness, no stronghold. There's nothing that can stand against the Lord. He can knock it flat by the power of his name. Let's pray for the rest of us. Jesus, I thank you today for being our good shepherd, our sacrificial shepherd. Because of that, there's nothing that we cannot overcome. I declare that I want to be in your care. I want to come into your flock because I know when I do, there's nothing that can stand against you. Lord Jesus, I ask that you look over this flock today and rescue those who feel lost and broken. Hold them so close to your heart that they hear your heartbeat and restore them. We pray for those who are sick here today. We ask for your anointing to come, your healing balm, to touch them from the top of their head to the tip of their toes. We pray for those who are battling in relationships, struggling with finances. We ask, Lord, that you come and provide for every need represented here today. And we pray for those who have wandered away. Because, Lord, we know your word says you leave the 99 to rescue the lost. And you don't just care for those that are in the pen today, but you look out for those sheep that you want to gather. Whatever problems are in our midst today, we declare there's nothing that can stand against the great I am. The great I am, the good shepherd, is your all in all. Amen. Can we say thank you to Donna for presenting? I always love listening to you. I learn lots of things. Lamb slide, 
bummer sheep. Like these are good things. But I, I shared with our 9 a.m. gathering something that just stood out to me in your message today. It was your second point of how he makes me lie down in green pastures. And as I was processing that, even in this um, gathering, I was thinking lie down means I got to stop. And I got to like, but we're so busy, aren't we? All the time. Busy is a four letter word. Have you ever caught that before? But what you said in that, Donna, was that when he makes us lie down and we accept that, you said that we could become free from fear. And some of us today, we're walking in fear right now. And this is what our good shepherd brings to us is you don't have to walk in fear anymore. Free from the friction and the social tension of other sheep. (laughs) That's a good one free from the flies and and the parasites and the beauty of that what you shared there was that he anoints their heads with oil Mm -hmm. which is symbolic to the person of the holy spirit how he pours his spirit on you and those pestilent things he anoints us i love that part and then free from hunger eat it's a really cool story Mm -hmm. Well, I'm so glad that you're here too today and that you're alive. Uh, Like, wow. Here's the deal. As you walk into your week, we have a good shepherd who is walking in front of you. He's leading you. So allow him to lead you. Whatever you're walking through, allow him to be the shepherd that he needs to be in your life. In fact, I would encourage us all, be a bummer sheep this week. Know that you need help and know that you need a good shepherd. Mm -hmm. And his name is Jesus, and he loves you a lot. Church, as you head out into this week, again, let me say welcome to all of you who are brand new for the very first time. I see Pastor James is in the back in our welcome center. Please go introduce yourself to him. Say hello to him. All of my book friends get signed up so that we could study together this summer. It's going to be great. But church, we love you. We'll see you next week.